Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So Georgia and I have um, a lot of conversations around this topic because our kids are getting to the age where, uh, I mean, I feel like I get asked 50 different questions every single day around this topic (laughs) and I'm just not sure how to navigate it most of the time. So I'm constantly texting Georgia saying, Georgia, help, what do we do? Uh, So we really wanted to have a discussion around PSHE today, Uh, how we talk to uh, our kids about it, you know, uh, what the right things to say, what are the definite no-nos. And so we've got two, very much two experts in the field coming on to answer your questions on the podcast today uh, from the Wickersley Partnership Trust. Please welcome Ellie Bannister and Helen Tyrrell. Hello. Hi. hi. And <laughs> nice Helen, we've just morning. been told morning. you are not um, in in partnership or any anything to do with our favourite crisps, <laughs> which no, we're, we're a bit I'm gutted not, about. Sadly, I'm we can't that, ta- can't tag the crisps this morning for freebies because they are my favourite crisps too. But I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> ladies, just um, ladies, talk to us about. Um, you know, how you've come to be in the positions that you're in today, uh, who you work for and kind of why there's such sort of hot topics in people's houses around this. And I guess why we feel so frightened to discuss this with our our kids. Absolutely. So if I, I'll start in terms of, so my background was I've been in education, um, in the field of education for 18 years. I began in a pastoral role, so a non-teaching head of year, so support for young people in secondaries and kind of accidentally, but very happily fell into the, the world of teaching. And, and PSHE grabbed me from the start there really, because it encompasses everything there is to do with young people and their lives and their well-being. And fast forward to where we are now, um, and my role is director of PSHE. So I look after five secondary schools and a collection of primaries that I'm progressing to support with as well. Um, and Helen? So, yes, I'm Helen, and I started my career as a drama teacher, uh, did my training down in London, and then uh, started doing things like theatre and education Um, going into schools and one of the first projects I did while I was doing my degree and my teacher training was around rape and sexual violence Um, and we went into secondary schools and that was quite groundbreaking at the time Mm. it was 2004 Um, people weren't even talking about that subject in schools and were really really scared to do it so um, myself and a few students we went in and and we tackled that subject and that's what started my journey I think Um, did drama teaching for quite a long time and then slowly moved into the world as Ellie says that pastoral side so the supporting role and then went into the field of safeguarding and child protection and so I'm now director of safeguarding across the 13 schools in Wickersley. Wow. We joined at the same time a year ago and um, kind of have done lots of avenues of work together already within the year but already have a kind of grand plans for the next kind of few years ahead really because obviously naturally the two 
the two areas cross so often you know we're mm. we're at the forefront of of the the work in the classrooms and Helen and the safeguarding team are doing so much of that behind the scenes work as well so naturally our paths join together so so often um which is brilliant really great it's joining up that world of what's actually happening out in the world and what's happening in the communities that we work in uh, what's happening for young people and mm-hmm. then bringing that into the classroom and making it you know a topic that can be discussed and it, it's not taboo and it, it you know we we can tackle anything mm-hmm. and it yeah. changes so great often and I think that's that's the biggest thing is we are responding to that that community but responding to national and local issues kind of on a, a on a such a rolling regular basis so what we are delivering is is what's going on for kids on a day-to-day basis and that never stands still as you know as you guys yeah, will be it's aware always changing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely it really mm. is just for um just to clear it up I think a lot of people get confused about what PSHE actually <laughs> is and I think <laughs> yeah. there's like it's maybe called different things in different absolutely. schools and what, so what does it actually stand for I, in fact one of the, our followers wrote in and asked that question yeah and it's a brilliant question and even in both of my daughter's schools so I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old old one in the infants one in the juniors and they're called different things in even both of those schools so you've got the p which is personal s for social health is the h and e is education but actually also economic so looking at that financial side as well so when you look at that as kind of four standalone areas it's absolutely huge in some primary schools what you'll have it referred to as things like life skills you might also have personal development and health and well-being so it's there and as of 2020 there's a huge amount of it now that is statutory that has mm-hmm. to be delivered mm-hmm. which was a huge amazing moment for all of us that are involved in in sexual health and relationships and all of that form of education so it's reassuring for all parents to know that it's there but it might be taught or delivered in slightly different ways depending on your school context and situation and obviously we can talk a little bit more today as well about the information that you should be expecting from schools around the topics that your children will be will be having over the years that they're they're in a school setting and also those kind of really useful avenues that as a parent you can kind of upskill yourself on as well before you know your child might be getting those lessons in school. Would it be safe to say that sexual health um, and the way that it's delivered in schools has come on leaps and bounds since I was, I mean, I was born in 82, but I literally remember a police officer coming into the school and being (laughs) like, here's a banana, (laughs) put a condom on (laughs) it. And we were just going, I'm blowing the condoms and chucking them around. Absolutely. And I I just, what? (laughs) I think I watched a film about two rabbits. Like, I'm not yes, joking. Yeah. I think that's my a strong memory of the maths mm. teacher in our mm. classroom who was also my form tutor, mm. literally terrified at the front, kind of putting on some weird yeah. PowerPoint as quickly as possible. And mm. that was pretty much we were talking jobs are good and done. I think it, it came up in religious education, our sex education. Yeah, I mean, when I, I was at school. Yeah. And it was like, and like you say, and it was usually in the middle of another subject um and you know one minute you'd be talking about you know christianity or Mm. buddhism or or something like that and then the next minute like you say they would they would get out the carrots and the condoms and yeah yeah, and then and all all riot would break loose and and also the teachers used to look so uncomfortable Mm. and so embarrassed and you know there was almost that thing as a child you would use that opportunity to sort of you know make the most of it to embarrass your teacher whereas now I think we and don't, I think there's no question that no most I, teachers 
can because we're trained now and we have CBD yeah. around it and there's support for us and you know that there's so much information um, and planning around it and, yeah, and, it, great. and it's a bespoke subject now so it's really important and it's seen as that and I think that that's really key because it's not just tucked in at, at the end of something else. But I think it's also not forgetting that we are the community of parents that had it like we had it at school mm-hmm. so sometimes the nerves are with us not necessarily always with our children because actually they are getting it in a much more constructive, well-planned, well-thought-out, really measured spiralling curriculum. But actually we panic at home because obviously we've got these ingrained memories of what we experienced at school. And I was really fortunate. I grew up with a a mum who was a youth worker and there was nothing off the table um, in terms of conversations that could be had at home. But still there is you know that barrier is there sometimes around those topics and and I think for a lot of parents now you know they are in a situation where they do feel that their children sometimes know more than them and sometimes that is the case especially if we think about social media and a lot of the online platforms and it's kind of being able to still have those conversations where you you feel like a parent but also you feel like you can advise and support as well. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. I can't wait for this. We've got loads of questions in. George, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. I mean, there's actually quite a few questions around this, but how do you explain making a baby to a six-year-old? Is she too young? When do I raise it? I think the biggie, first of all, and obviously kind of first-hand experience of being a mum myself, I have two little girls, one who's seven and a half, one who's just about to turn six. They are such different little girls. I've got one who is... So, so every question you could possibly mm. begin to be asked, she's there and she's incredibly um, keen with her emotions and very empathetic and really wants to kind of look at everything possible and also think she's 17 sometimes and she's not, she's seven. And whereas I've got another one who is still very young, still has the big kind of toddler meltdowns at times mm-hmm. and struggles to cope with kind of, fallings out in the playground and the friendship issues and things like that and with my seven-year-old we had the conversation around this literally I would say about a month ago so she knew all the right body parts we've always been really insistent on that as being but they don't call them the vagina and the penis day to day it's my private bits or my lady bits and that's great that's fine but it's also making sure that they know those correct words as well and we were in the park one day and we were going past, the, you know, they've got the feed and the ducks. And she said, oh, those two ducks are making love, mummy. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but perfect moment, out on a dog walk, you're not sat face to face. And I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, well, you know, when you have a special cuddle and then they might have a baby. So I just kind of left it at that. And we then kind of came home and a couple of days later, I, I showed her a book, which I will I will mention, which is called Sex is a Funny Word, which I would really recommend to your listeners. It's beautifully told, really inclusive, just fabulously kind of displays and talks about all of those different topics around helping young people understand sex at the appropriate age. But it doesn't actually talk about the moment of sex so at the end of the book I said to her so you know where the baby comes from and how the baby can get out and the different ways that a baby can come out of 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 a person how does it get in and she said well through kissing 
I was like, okay, that's, you know, obviously that's definitely part of it. And then I mentioned the vagina and the penis. Well, her face was a picture. And abs, well, I'm never doing that. <laughs> fits of giggles, absolute fits of giggles. But we then talked about the fact that obviously it can happen in different ways as well, because the book covers things like IVF. It covers same-sex relationships. So actually, it was really lovely being able to explain to her that it isn't just one way that it can happen. Now, again, that came from some bits that she'd already planted first. So it wasn't a let's have a sit-down big chat about this. It was naturally little conversations and bits that had happened before that, before I kind of was a bit more explicit with her around Mm. it. Because seven, I mean, seven to me, I've got, my seven-year-old sounds like your seven-year-old, the one you were just describing, questions left, right and centre, such an empath. She wants, you know, me and my big daughter, my stepdaughter, Isla, we were reading Zoe Williams' book, Let's Grow Girl. And it's, God, it's good. Again, everyone listening, you have to get it. it. But I could hear Luna going, I know about sex. She was shouting it from her room. And I was like, be quiet, you're seven, shh, you're seven, shh. Like, because I was just trying to make a joke of it. And then I thought, afterwards, I thought, gosh, does she, you know, how much does she understand? Mm. How much is she picking up? Is it too young for, you know, she knows how, you know, where a baby comes from. We, we, you know, we always call, um, you know, we we always label it vagina, penis. We give it all the correct names and we discuss it. We do call it love seed. I haven't called it sperm because I was just trying to, yeah, Yeah. fine. But, 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 is it the right moment? Because I didn't know about sex. I'm not saying the right, the way that it was done for me was the right way, but probably till I was like 12. Now that seems quite late now. So it's happening start, earlier, isn't start it? start doing it in primary yeah. school, definitely. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, that's another thing that actually is, as a parent, usually the school will let you know when those topics are coming up. Absolutely. And if they haven't, yeah. you know, find out. Find out when is it, when mm. is it going to happen? Because then if, if you're a bit nervous about bringing up the subject or you're not quite sure and, you, you know, I mean, that was a, a lovely example there, mm. wasn't it, Ellie, where, you know, your daughter started talking about it yeah. so it came about quite naturally and that that's always really nice if it's that way. But I think if um, you know the school are bringing it up and, and what day it is or what week it is, and I know I've had that, I'm stepmum to um, 12-year-old twins and so through their primary school, um they've come home and said oh we learned about this today and then whilst we're having dinner around the table it, it it then becomes quite a natural conversation and oh what did you learn and then you know there's sometimes a bit of giggling and there's sometimes a bit of comparing and and the twins are a boy and a girl so there's bit no you got that bit wrong and I know this and I know more than you <laughs> yeah. so and that's great because we can then sort of like almost not argue it out but kind of debate it and and think about what what do they understand and I think if you can use the school as, as your vehicle to yeah. talk about it and then it's not difficult mm. because you'll know what they've been told mm. and the school usually you know we publish all of all of it. our lessons of what what we're doing in PSHE um, across the years so you know parents have got that opportunity to sort of like see what is happening so that they can then bring that up as a as a topic and obviously the conversation around sex and how you make a baby Mm. they are slightly different they are absolutely and I think Mm. for you know before any kind of sexual health work happens within a school it's all the relationship work that happens first and I think that's where 
you know, particularly when we look at like the, the history of, of RSE being taught and obviously when there was all the fantastic developments happening around 2020 and RSE becoming statutory in schools, so that relationship health education absolutely having a rightful place there. I think you naturally got that big furore of you're going to be teaching children about condoms and this and that in primary. No, of course we're not. From the very point of reception and year one, we're teaching them about respectful relationships, about healthy relationships, about communication, about trust, about who they value, about who's important to them, why. So all of those little points are happening before that point in year six, where I suppose the technical stuff is there. But actually, they've had every single year right the way from reception of building on that. So I know that for my daughter in year three at the moment, they're looking at who's important to me and why, who can we trust and why, and what's the difference between boys and girls. So again, looking at, and again, going back to that, those questions that often, particularly, you know, we've always been really open in our house, but around periods and around those differences that girls have to what boys have. And again, that's where that conversation of, I suppose it's about as a parent exploring your attitudes first and what sits comfortable with you. So where you feel that you might find something embarrassing or a little bit tricky to discuss, it's having that conversation with the other adults that's in that in your child's life. Because chances are, like my, both my daughters have a very close relationship with their grandparents. They look after them far far too regularly, blessed them <laughs> working in education. But I know that like, my two girls are not just going to ask me they're going to ask grandma and granddad as well so it's having those chats too I think that's so important isn't it that everybody is aligned because I had like when Axel was what he was like two and a half then Gigi was born or actually he was maybe nearly three and so then by the time he was four he was asking me questions well how how are babies made and what's this and what's that and I think I must have just drip like sort of drip feed him like different Mm. bits of information and it basically came to this chat in the car I've I've said it before and we were driving along and he was asking me again well you must know you must know how babies are made and I said well I told you like Daddy gives mummy a seed. It, it grows into grows in your tummy. Blah blah blah. And he goes, oh my god! And where do the seeds come from? And I said, well, from um, from the testicles. And then Gigi screams. At the time, she was probably three. <laughs> I don't want to eat a boy's testicles. And I just thought, <laughs> this has gone badly wrong. Uh, what I've learned is okay, age appropriate, but. I know that Axel can handle the facts. Like he, you know, Mm. if it's just the facts and there's, you know, this happens, this happens and that's it, he's fine. Whereas what I did wrong was I was wishy-washy about the facts and then he created his own story in his head. And I guess that's the danger, isn't it? When you have different people telling them different bits and then they create their own thing. Like, you know, because again, again, the, the, the sex is a funny word book is brilliant, but it doesn't keep mentioning this word, egg. And I had to pause the video because obviously we, we were reading the books and I was showing her on YouTube and she was like, an egg, an egg's inside me, mummy. Because obviously for them, it is yeah. so literal, isn't it? This concept oh, of like, like an hang egg. on a minute, yeah. an egg, in what, what? Yeah. So again, and I think even, you know, it, it's being able to break those bits down and also not being afraid as well with your children to have that giggle and that laugh about it as well, really. Because I think that was a thing like with Freya's reaction when, you know, we were talking, it was just really funny. And actually there was no, you know, and then it was kind of done with and she's not really mentioned it again. 
Like, and yeah. I'm sure she will, but it was, you know, it was in that moment. But I think exactly if you've got those, if you feel confident to go into that conversation, that's that's the best start to begin with. But they will throw you off course with a random question. But does it matter, though? Because I think, it, does it matter that if you get it a little bit wrong no. and it's a bit funny? No. That's kind of light relief, isn't mm-hmm. it? And I think, mm-hmm. you know... You know, we've countlessly laughed at times with things that the twins have said. Yeah. And, but, you know, in, in a good way, and they're laughing as well. And then it just lightens the mood. And then it's not this heavy conversation about yeah. it, which makes it too serious and then yeah. puts them off talking about it. Now, this could be quite a heavy conversation. Helen, found my 13-year-old looking at porn, how to talk to him about it. So, yeah, we talked about this a, a mm. little bit because, um, you know, it, it's understanding what they've actually looked at, isn't it? And and the the context around it, you know, if they happened across it because they've clicked on the wrong thing and it's suddenly come up and then they're suddenly they're faced with it. Um, we always look at it from a safeguarding point of view. You know, at, at the age of 13, I would say that is quite a normal thing. You know, they've, they've come across pornography. I know, I know, uh-huh. I saw your face there. I know. But if you look at it, um, we've got, we had some statistics. The average age that a child will look at pornography is the age of 13 now. And, wow. and I know that is, that is quite scary when you think of it. However, um, it's not to say that's a good thing. I think it's, it's how you approach it with them and it's how you talk to them about it when you found this out. So, you know, try to refrain from screaming and, you know, going absolutely mad and saying that's terrible. You shouldn't have looked at that. Find out why. What's mm. the context of them <clears throat> looking at it? Because there might be some work you can do in the background on your privacy settings and making sure things are closed down a little bit so it's not too easily accessible. However, then find out what, what was it they saw and what are their thoughts on it and then try to get them to understand the differences between, you know, real-life relationships um, and healthy relationships and good relationships compared to what they've, they've seen on the screen and what, what they've experienced. Um, there is a tool that's really, really helpful, I think, for parents. It's called the Brook Tool. Um, we use it in schools all the time, and it's got all the different ages, and you have what they call red, amber, and green Green being this is normal, this is healthy, this is age appropriate. We would expect to see, you know, that age range being interested in various things. Amber being there's some concerns here. And then red, it's it's really serious. And actually, we, we need to do something about that. I would always say, as a parent, if you're a little bit concerned, don't be afraid to speak to the school no, about not it. At all. We're not going to judge. We're not going to say, oh, that's terrible. Your child's done that. If you want some support in helping to talk to your child, um, and you know give them some advice and you know help talk to them in a maybe a, a more non-emotional way than you might be able to do as a parent then then use the school um, don't don't see it as a bad thing um, but it, it's not it isn't unusual at 13. Mm. On your phone you can absolutely lock that down yeah. on your wi-fi your provider you can absolutely so you just cannot access it mm. you just can't the issue, the the big issue around it is the friendships. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, right. And we know for it's the, through social yeah. media. I mean, and also will often be through. Peer pressure, you know, isn't they're it? not using the Wi-Fi, so the settings are there. They're actually mm. using four G or five G, so they'll they'll access it that way. But but yeah. you can you can speak to like Vodafone. You can speak to Vodafone. You if you have if you pay for their phones, you can speak yeah. to Vodafone, yeah. so they can't access Absolutely, it on yeah. their mobiles either through the Absolutely. Wi-Fi or through four G. Yeah. The, yeah. the the children's commissioner, if, if if 
um, people want to Google that. That's got quite a, a recent report out. And and it, it does make for scary reading, but equally, as, as Helen and I were talking, it does make for reassuring reading as well, that when mm. these situations come up that you don't think, oh, my God, is this just my child? And actually, we know that for a vast majority of young people, so year nine is the point where we would have um, looking at pornography within our curriculum. So actually, we're talking about that. We use, and I would really urge for parents as well. And again, depending on how you feel about this with your own children, Zara McDermott and the series of documentaries that Zara McDermott's done are absolutely fantastic. She's done a whole range of documentaries linked around social media, pornography, one of which we do use within our schools in year nine. And and students really, really get a lot from it. And, And I think... We have to again. It's I suppose it's going back to what we said three years ago, four years ago. Pornography was in year ten and year eleven, yeah. and it's already dropped down a year. So it's responding to that and having those conversations. But I think that the biggie definitely is, you know, don't be frightened to give school a ring and also find out what they are teaching. And you're not going to get loads of people into trouble at school. I think school's immediate response will be, okay, well, the chances are if your son's seen it, some of the mates yeah. probably have as well. We'll be right back after this short break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? That's what I was going to just say. Like, on Zoe's point, like, if you you can like close everything down so they can't access it right but I guess it can be across lots of different topics not just porn but is stopping them doing something completely the right thing to do because you know what it's like when when we were young oh you can't drink alcohol well you just go to your friend's house who was allowed is it the same like with this kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. you're banning it that's why we we and then they'll find a way anyway yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. of course they will and you know if you think about it you know most kids go home from school and what's the first thing they're doing they're they're switching on their phone you know they've got their phones they've got their ipads they've got all the technology around them and they're spending time on mm. it you know in the evening when you're busy running around getting their tea mm. ready and doing all of those things so they they've got that time to look at things and they've got that time to find those loopholes and there are always loopholes in everything isn't, isn't there? yeah so I think educating them about it so that they understand you know w- what is good and what is not good a relationship what is healthy what is not healthy um, and making them aware is is a much better education than like you say just trying to stop them completely mm. because at some point it will come into their world and if they're not prepared for it they're more at risk then aren't they they're more vulnerable because they haven't had that education around it they haven't had their parents talking to them or they haven't had the school talking to them so I think Mm. you know don't don't shy away from those subjects actually you know embrace them and and talk to them about it what you mean we can't just wrap them up in cotton wool and lock them (laughs) in a bedroom for the rest of their lives guys that was gonna be my next point (laughs) I always think about like where can I move where there's no violence (laughs) where can I go I think is it outer hip yeah yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. And there yeah. Is that, we'll start it? our own little school there. <laughs> That's say, it. That's it, what we'll do. It's really easy to say this. And I know, uh, you know, I only became a stepmom six years ago. Um, so I, I came into the world of, of being a mum much, much later in life. And prior to that, obviously, safeguarding pastoral roles and all of that. With And now, yeah, I absolutely understand where that protective mm. feeling comes from. And it's like you say, you want to just wrap them up and not not encounter anything. But when, um, it, when it does happen... And I know I can say this from experience, trying not to react as a parent. Mm. It's really hard, isn't it? Because, you know, if you, if you find, find your child has done something um, and, you know, your, your immediate reaction is to, to be often, panic, isn't it? Yeah, either panic yeah. or anger yeah. or, like you say, really protective mm. and, you know, tell them, don't ever do that again. But actually, you know, with my, with my teacher head on, it's that trying to help support them through it and you know talk to them in a rational way about it but it's not easy talking to your children about illness I guess so cancer diagnosis for grandparent how to share it with a six-year-old yeah I think well we've got kind of two little strands on this one really Helen's got a little bit of first-hand experience on this um again kind of really to reassure parents here that again through school this is one where if the parent here hasn't done so already, please ring school and, and just fill them in here with, with, with the situation that is going on at home. Obviously, six is an age where it's such a tricky one because they a child will be really understanding of a certain level of, of what illness is. Now, difficulty here is a lot of the time a child will go to the first thought that with an illness, there can immediately be a cure. With an illness, then you can catch it. That's the other thing. And I think the biggie, first of all, is as a family, let's take the children out of this for a moment of of where are we all at at the minute and what headspace are we all in, first of all, because, you know, for for everybody involved in this, it's making sure that as, as a set of adults that you're kind of checking in with your emotions, first of all, and you feel in a place where you're able to answer what might be some very direct questions from a six year old. What might be some some tricky questions sometimes, but also that those questions won't just start and end in one conversation, that they might be quite gradual and there might be quite a lot of thinking time that's needed there. So there are some really useful kind of little strategies and websites that I can I can give some information to. But I think the biggie to start with is is how as a family of adults you're at at the moment and where you feel able to to have that conversation with the child and that everyone's, I suppose, like we talked about before, aligned, really. I, I, I didn't tell. So my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer in November 2022 and Luna was six and Kit was four. And we have a house of talkers, you know, there isn't a topic off the table, but I just felt me personally, and I think I think this is really important to say as well, it is a real personal choice whether you feel you want to share it with your children or your child, because I just didn't, I, you know, we got the diagnosis, we had to process it, you know, is she going to be okay? What stage was it? And I think that's case by case. You know, if I knew that my mum was dying, I would have told the kids so that we could have spent as much time with her as possible. But I believed that she was going to make a recovery and she did. And then, you know, when she'd had the operation, I explained to the kids that, you know, Shushu's had breast cancer. She's had half her breast removed, but she's doing really well. And then we went to see her in Kenya and it was all really happy. That's the way that I did it because I didn't want to put prep, but it depends on what the, I think it depends on what the diagnosis is. And like you said, how they're coping with it. 
as adults and situation right it is like mm. I mean that's the thing is obviously for you know I'm really fortunate that I've got a set of grandparents well a set of parents who are on hand on a weekly daily basis sometimes so it's a very different situation there isn't it if someone some, suddenly grandma's not around yes. and she's mm. you know she's clearly not herself but and I think I think also absolutely Zoe like you said it's where your mind is at and the questions that you you've got to figure out as well and the person that's obviously dealing with this illness firsthand as well Helen some bits so we yeah we we had similar to you Zoe um in our family and I think you're absolutely right and I think it was handled in exactly the same way um tell the children as much as you feel comfortable as adults um we try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, the other thing that we brought in was um, not just around th- that particular scenario, but we had lots of things going on all at the same time. So whilst we had um, the cancer situation going on, we were also getting married, my wife and I, and we also um, had recently moved house. And so there was lots going on. Um, the twins were 11. Um, so they had notebooks in their bedrooms and if they had any questions they wanted to ask, um, but it was it was too much to sort of ask face to face, they were writing things down. And we said, look, if you've got any worries, if you've got anything you want to talk to us about, but you just don't want to ask us direct, just write it down and then we'll answer and we'll write it back in the book. And that really worked for us around mm. that time. And that helped us as well, because then it wasn't, you know, there was no question that couldn't be asked, but at the same time, we were able to um, you know, process it ourselves because there was just so much going on. So it was, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, if that just takes a little bit of the pressure off yeah. of you as well, but also the pressure off the kids because they're they're going through a lot at the time. The lovely thing you can do there as well is you can put questions back in as well. So as a parent, actually, you know, you might note down a question that you quite like to ask them as a young as a young person as well so you can have different dimensions on it depending on the age so like a little worry jar or a little question box and actually like once or twice a week you can sit down and have a flick through the questions together or anonymously and kind of just let them go back and check in on it when they want to as well I was going to say, what about for younger kids? Someone I know um, was diagnosed with breast cancer in the summer and she's got two children. One's Gigi's age, she's, um, he's four, and then one's younger. I think she's one. And she's lost her hair. This, we- this week, she decided to shave her hair off because it was falling off in clumps. And I don't know how much she's told the kids, but that is now something that she can't hide, right? You know, even her one-year-old will look at her and and there's a visible difference. What would What's the right way to go about something like that when you've literally got like a one and four-year-old where it, it might, I don't know, how much would they understand and what what would you, I don't know, what, how would you navigate it? I think it's the separate conversations, Definitely isn't it? That you age, could yeah. have a different conversation <clears throat> with the four-year-old than you could <clears throat> the one-year-old. Um and again, I think it's down to the person who it's happened to, you know, what do they want them to know? Well, mm. you know, and I think I would be guided by what they were saying and say, well, what, 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 what should we say? Because the one year old wouldn't really understand anything, would they? And I think you'd potentially create more questions mm. and more confusion and more upset at one rather than yeah there's a mummy's hair's fallen out you know there's a really simple um, as that isn't it you don't need to say anything else there's a really lovely website called littleparachutes.com which has got a huge array of children's books on that link to lots of different types of illnesses and kind of 
I suppose, milestone challenging moments that might come up in family life situations. So that's a really useful one for some fantastic books that kind of help to retell. And the other thing as well is like with with um, cancer researchers in the website that you can go on, a, a big area of advice there as well is talk to the doctors that are supporting you and working with you and the nurses as well, because they will have a wealth of experience there. And again, we'll be able to kind of support with with some of those conversations. And again, maybe some really useful books and things like that. Obviously, with the younger ones, you may notice some changes as well in, in their behaviour. They may become much more clingy. You might see issues around sleep issues around behavior so again talk to school make sure they're really aware because you've got those teaching assistants in the classrooms and they are just worth their weight in absolute gold <laughs> like they're wonderful and I think to have that especially in a nursery or a school setting if they're aware of that and can do some one-to-one -one work and maybe some artwork and some creative work as well it will just kind of provide that extra layer of support there too Definitely. I think probably one more question because we're, we're running out of time. But I, I wanted to ask something personally, actually, about my uh, my big girl, my stepdaughter, who's been experiencing some issues with relationships with her female friends at school. And I've really noticed it in the last 12 months that what went from kind of a very easy school life day to day um, to kind of like, oh, well, she's really upset at the end of the day now and people are leaving her out and this particular group of girls. And I'm finding it really difficult. I'm very close to her. You know, she is my stepdaughter, but she's like my own child. And I'm finding it really difficult not going charging into the school being Lioness like, mode, come on, like, yeah, the lioness mode. mode. Like, she's really upset. What I'm are we going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, um, yeah. So I just, I, I've been trying to give her some solid advice around, you know, keeping them at arm's length and finding a new tribe and finding those women that really build you up and support you and giving her all of that stuff. But it's really difficult, isn't it? Because she's just little. So what, what would be the best course of action also for anyone listening who's going through it with their kids? I think what you've just said, though, is exactly right, is, is build her up um, and talk to her about other friendships, get them off their phones, you know, so it doesn't become an evening thing. She as doesn't well. have one yet. Oh, does she not? Well done. You. Ten. Not, hap not happening yet. That is ten. Oh, right, right, right there. Well enough. done. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and I think, yeah, if if then I would talk to the school I would definitely talk to the school and let them know um is she in secondary school no no she's not, not yet not, not yet. yet but so next no, year I would talk mm. talk to her class teacher and just um have a conversation um about that you know you've got a few concerns and keep an eye on them but not make a big thing about it and I think you know work work as a family work together you know being a stepmom myself like you say you you we work across our two houses and you know talk things through so that you know we go with the united front and we go and talk to the school if we need to about anything um and yeah just be there for them and to listen um and the and listen to what they're what they want to do about it I think mm. always be driven by because sometimes as adults, we, we want to get it sorted, don't we? And we want to, you know, jump in there and, you know, make it all okay again, but actually listen to what they want to happen because they might be saying, no, just leave it for the moment. Um, I, I want it to be um, just left alone and, and I'm dealing with it, but just be there for them and to listen to them. If you have a look as well, Zoe, on, um, on the Dove website, the Dove campaign, they've got some fantastic resources on there for parents which are re there's some really lovely ones so there's kind of art activities you can do there's kind of conversation starters 
huge amount of work and it works for it's across all genders but there's uh, the it kind of runs along kind of lots of different short activities but it's all based around kind of empowerment and self-esteem and in a confidence and it's kind yeah, of very great. light drip fed resources really yeah. um and can be done by any of the kind of adults that are in in that young person's life but again and i think it's also at this key age as well it's it's the hobbies and interests outside of school they're the biggie because i think it's having those friends in different pots and actually those friends in different areas of life that you're not putting all those eggs in one basket and actually you know, I remember personally going through school and having that. I'm friends with them because I don't know how not to be friends with them anymore. But actually, like, they kind of bring me down and make me well, feel... Well, it's a friend. Awful. It's the Mean Girls. Yeah. It's the yeah. absolute Mean, mean Girls. girls. Yeah. yeah. But I had that separate group and through horse riding, things like that. And they were just, they were my girls. But you had to get through that that set of girls at school as well I've heard so much of this recently from from friends like even even Axel's age who've got the girls not the boys we were sort of talking about it and they you know one of the girls was coming home in tears saying oh, I'm so upset they're being so horrible to me and the, and then the mum was sort of saying okay so then why don't you play with someone else because they're my best friends and you know and it's like Okay, but what does a best friend mean to you then? Because they're not your best friends if they're doing this. And it's kind of explaining that to people, isn't it? That, or to the kids, what a friend actually is and what a friend, what you do as friends. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, when we talk about those red flags in relationships, Mm. it's where that that starts at such a young age of like, you know, and I've had the conversations with my seven-year-old going through those little friendship issues of, what gives you that feeling in your tummy of mm. like someone said something and actually it's made you feel icky inside? Well, that's where you know you are you you are allowed to ask for that apology. It's yeah. important that you have that conversation with that friend about how they made you feel. And if you don't like the answer that they've given you, that you don't fall out and there's not this huge clash. But actually, I suppose you know you then keep them at arm's length for a little bit there, and you you know you reflect a little bit. It's not saying that you've fallen out and there's mm. this astronomical kind of you know not talking and it but just just kind of a little keep an eye on it and uh, but it is I think and I think that's the one area that hasn't changed since we were teenagers yeah but it's just got so much bigger because it felt you know when they are in that world of getting social media and on phones it follows them home as well yeah great that's great advice Ellie thank you so much ladies it's been an absolute I feel like we could we could do another podcast because there's so many things that I haven't covered we haven't covered next term yeah so much to like so much to cover but yeah brilliant such great advice thank you keep doing what you're doing thank you thank you so much for having us it's been a pleasure what a beautiful conversation oh i know do you know what the things that i feared the most about parenting which is always these kind of conversations i feel like i don't fear so much now because of people like them like they just make i completely agree yeah they just make everything i don't know they just put it out there that it's not so scary it doesn't have to be scary it's like logical their responses uh, yeah I feel but I feel much better now do you know what I found quite interesting on reflection was that when this when the um question around um the lady's 13 year old son she caught watching porn I was yeah. like just get everything locked down do you know you can just you can stop it on the phone you can stop it on the laptop and it uh, on reflection that was quite a weird response from me <laughs> it's probably how I feel oh, about parenting th- it was like I think maybe I, go on that is an I think that's a normal response 
I yeah, think but then you were like, hang on, you can't hide, you can't protect them from it. You can't stop them from doing it because they're just going to go around to their house, their, their mates' houses. And yeah, kind of watch because it there, that's because I'm reflecting on it. But I think your mm. instinct response is always, like, as a parent, to, to, to like, like, I don't know, use danger, stop the danger. Mm. That get, I think that's mm. just, a, I think that's a natural response. And I think that's why you have these conversations because then you might not always go on those responses because on reflection, you're like, oh, actually, if I do that, this, this, and this could happen. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a weird response, though. I think it's probably what nine times, nine out of ten people would, would say that they yeah. would do. I don't think it's weird. Yeah, I think maybe I would have been a little bit more open-minded about it because mm. at the end of the day, if you stop your children from doing stuff and you say, right, that's it, yeah, yeah. that's bad, you can't look at that or you can't, they're just going to do it. I mean, that's what I happened. Know. We just rebelled and just did what, what we exactly. wanted and, yeah. you know, completely went off the rails because certain things were completely off the table, not many mm. things, but things were off the table. So it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, I think that, that, that those, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Ellie and Helen just made it so much easier to have the conversations, to not feel frightened by them. And, yeah. you know, Know, and, and, and interesting and really, I, I think for me, kind of inspiring was that the schools have got you back. They're yeah. all there working towards the same thing, that you can talk to them about anything and it's fine. And they're not going to judge you. Like they no. would have heard this over and over again. And I think mm. the more communication we have, and I think when you go to secondary school, you don't necessarily know the parents that, you know, your kids are at school with so much. Like now in primary school, we probably know them a bit more. And if there was some kind of issue, you might actually get to talk to them. But, you mm. know, when this you go to secondary school and there's like hundreds of children in a year, you're not going to know them. So having the mm. school is that like sort of middle man almost really helps and also just to mm. know that you're all on the same page yeah and nothing is off topic it's going to be nothing they haven't heard before they're not going to mm. be shocked they're not going to judge you um yeah I'd never thought of go I'd actually never would have thought of going to the school if I'd have had something like that happen like I just wouldn't um mm. but now we're mm, yeah it's sure. interesting now we can yeah, yeah definitely yeah. massive thank you to Ellie and to Helen and thank you so much for sending in all of your questions we're so sorry if we didn't get to one of them today do drop us a DM if you want uh, an answer on it and we can always pop it across to the girls um, yes. and as always we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe and please give our podcast a little follow yeah and if you've got any mates that haven't listened yet then get them on it download download it on their <laughs> phone when they're not looking um, or any feedback any topics you'd like us to cover anything that's coming up in parenting for you that we might be able to help with drop us a DM on Instagram we're on at Made by Mamas and we'll be back on Tuesday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.